Hello, everybody. My name is Josie, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. Thank you so much to those of you who have decided to join us live. Massive heads up and hands raised for Invina and Gordon and Hanses, who is now threatening Chris with, with you know, his epic achievement huntingness. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but for those of you listening in the future, we hope you're able to join us Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT at Twitch at slash DNI stream. This is episode 2.4, the 24-7 job. And once again, we are missing Patrick. Uh, our guest today, though, is someone who chats in chat quite a lot, and I'm very excited to uh, to speak to him. It's Gareth Ethricol Kingston. Good evening. Yes, yeah, so say hello, introduce yourself, tell the uh, viewers what you do and why you're here. Yeah, good evening, viewers. Yes, I'm here because we're going to be discussing, obviously, the 24-7 job, which happens to be a job I'm in. I'm actually what they call a systems administrator for infrastructure. Basically, when networks and things like that go down, who do they call? Us guys. And we, <laughs> know, that, we know that networks have problems outside of working <laughs> office hours, so, you know, hence 24-7. Mm-hmm. And now it is icebreaker question time. I, I have searched high and low for a question that I thought would be appropriate for the group. Here's my question. What one sport would be made better by having mandatory alcohol consumption during the sport itself? <laughs> For those of you who are watching, I want to see your thoughts in the Twitch chat. For those of you in the future, hit us up at hashtag DNI stream on Twitter and let us know. Or I'm really curious. Yeah, or at uh, DNA stream again. Guests, uh, guests on us. So go on. All right, um, ice hockey. Just that doesn't need alcohol. <laughs> just be complete carnage. It's just carnage anyway. <laughs> do you not know, remember the games from the nineties when it, that was part of the game? They actually yeah, programmed like, fighting I, into the I, game. I, I, I have, a, I have a friend that's very much into his ice hockey, and it's a lot more civilized now. So it needs that alcohol to be able to bring it back to the good old days. See, all I can think of with ice hockey is why you have to be mad, <laughs> which is a great meme in its own right. Oh, Chris. I'm struggling with this one. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, darts comes to mind. Not really a sport. Don't say that out loud. And there is alcohol usually involved in it anyway. Well, they, they used to get paid for the cigarette they smoked and the <sighs> pint they drank. Mm. So it's it's got a, a thing. I'm not sure it's still a thing professionally, anyway. though, is it? They don't they don't drink anymore professionally, like when they're doing the darts championships. You know, um, I, I was uh, the first thing that came to my head is the sport that I love the most at the moment, which is cycling. But it's that's not going to be made better by drinking in no way, shape, or form. So I didn't necessarily say better in the context of the people playing would be much better at what they're doing. I just mean the word better as in maybe perhaps even more entertaining or actually entertaining because we've had a question before about sports where we're all just like sports mm. <laughs> i mean i love you know i love i love athletics i love watching athletics and you know winter and summer athletics but uh, I, I don't know I, i'm str i'm really struggling i can't think of anything off the top of my head there that's awful isn't it oh can i, can I, can I interject in here would you not like to see uh athletics say for argument's sake the high jump when someone <laughs> runs up after a few pints and goes uh which one am i jumping <clears throat> over there's a there's something called um, that we all know called quop that is pretty much athletics on on alcohol quop you remember that? i've never uh, heard of it quop is that nope. game where you, you you control it it's a flash game where you control it with qw and o and p and you control each limb with it, have you have you heard of Mount um, Your Friends, the the game on Steam? Yes, I've so heard of. I Mount play Your that Friend. every Tuesday with my friends. Mount Your Friends, it's brilliant, great competition and wonderful fun, ridiculous daftness. But Quop was kind of like a, I suppose Mount Your Friends is a, 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 a um, spiritual ex successor to it, I suppose. But it's Quop was ridiculous. You couldn't play it. You could not play the game. But it's just falling over, trying to run along a track, falling over. Well, Gordon says crazy golf, and Venus says horse riding. It would be hilarious to watch and see them try to stay on. I throw out the most boring game ever. Golf. Do they not drink in golf anyway? 
Not not when they're on the pitch and stuff like that. No, I don't think it's actually a pitch course. Sorry, not when they're on the course. But there's something to me about how they have to keep their cool and everyone's really, really quiet and they're coming up to take the... And is he taking the putt? And, and gentle golf clap. Yes, yes, yes. He succeeded. Oh, yes, yes. To me, it would be brilliant if everybody was drinking. The audience, the announcers, like, turn it into, like, a wrestling thing where, you know, he goes to take a, you know, the, the putt and the, the club goes flying off, the ball goes somewhere else, and one of the announcers goes, score! Or, like, that to me would just make golf entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah drunken I'm... airsoft would have been fun, says Hans's. Wow. Yeah, I've done that. My stag do. That was that was. You fun. did drunken aerosol. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should have done. No, I think we should have. Oh, no, it wasn't airsoft. It was paintball, but similar kind of. Concept. It's slightly similar yeah. kind of concept, but yeah. Yeah, we had a third Thornall who we had on a few weeks ago wasn't no airsoft, and he's he's probably done drunken one as well. Um, <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, I can't think of anything, so let's move on. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to. Veto, a veto that one for me. You're going to have to bow out, tap yeah. out. So, oh. yes, on to our topic, the 24-7 job. Uh, inspired by a comment that Gareth, Ethricol, made uh, last week during our indispensable developer show. A um, couple weeks ago. Last week, we had a guest. Oh we had God. Gordon on. It's been a long week for me, I'm sorry. I've, I've had, a, I've had a, a contract and I've been... I've been we were talking Postgres and GraphQL, and the week before that we were on about the indispensable developer. Ah. Yes, so, shall we start off? What do yes, you wanna, I, what, what's, what's the starting topic then, Gareth? What's, uh, what's your number one thing to talk about here? Or to... Uh, <clears throat> It's it's difficult to say where you actually want to start because it can it's quite of a bit of a loaded question when it comes to twenty four seven because obviously the world today is twenty four seven whether it's um, internet businesses you know a lot of businesses these days will run twenty four seven you know manufacturing all sorts so the the need to be able to have a support regardless of what what it's in because it's not just going to be it or infrastructure the need to have a 24 7 is there these days the problem there is is it can encroach on people's lives um <clears throat> and that can be a that can be a pain at times i mean like for for argument's sake myself you know um when i'm on call I can't arrange to go out see friends or go away or things like that i have to we have a specific set time on when we're on call um and you know i you know if i want to for argument's sake people might know or the people that do know me they know me as a gamer um there's something for a bit of the topic next year uh not sort of uh, later sorry is that last year i was extremely busy where i'd actually lost contact with a lot of people because i was just busy working all the time because of the amount of projects and things like that um however i i didn't feel the need to but i wanted to because it was helping me it was helping my company um and i was getting some very good feedback you know th that was something that was nice the company was also giving good feedback back you know um and things like that but go on this is uh, this is it's very interesting hearing it from a, a positive spin because a, a lot of people a lot of people look at the 20 well not necessarily because you're not working 24 hours a day at the end of the day you're on call but you do a <laughs> I, I imagine you do a shift then you're on call for a certain period and you get time in lieu or you get paid for being on call depending on your contract that you've got so how does this how would it work for you or how would you expect well, it to me, work but for me um basically normally we have a, a a team of four specifically for here at the moment we're actually a bit we're one down so what it is is i'm actually on call three week uh one week out of three okay um uh but we get paid um we don't get time in lieu one nice thing obviously that does happen um, especially for me because again with the on call it can vary because you know you might get on call at a normal sensible hour for argument's sake say on a saturday nine o'clock in the morning you're already up you're having your breakfast and the call might take you 10 15 minutes to fix mm -hmm. i have had calls where i have been up five o'clock to go to work the previous morning and not gone to bed until 11 o'clock the following morning 
on that mm. normally because the company's my company i work for is actually pretty good because it basically i think the last comment i got was so you're going dark now aren't you i said <laughs> yep i'm gonna bet <laughs> well i mean that's uh, employers have to be responsible at the end of the day and if they're not mm -hmm. then it's not the, the employees aren't going to keep doing it simply no matter what the contract says they'll leave and get another job simple as that i would think well, so well that, that that's the thing i mean first off i have to say when it comes to being 24 7 it can depend wildly like gareth pointed out from being short to long however because of the it industry being what it is now the it industry is responsible for keeping your telephones running it's responsible for keeping your tv on so you can watch your shows it's responsible for your internet which allows you to watch your shows or play your games but because we live in a world where we need certain services 24 7 we have found ourselves in a place where <clears throat> people when or people who have that sort of on-call job almost have to be all hands on decks in emergencies which can lead to that situation that gareth had where he worked for over 24 hours it was a rush thing um there was a platform actually interestingly enough google recently within like the past 48 hours 76 hours something like that had a platform drop and people couldn't connect to the Google services, which almost destroyed so many people. Can you imagine the team that they had working hmm. to get everything fixed and sorted? I can. But we also live in an age where it's not just the services, it's the time zones. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem <clears throat> in the slightest with shift work or, or people who are on call, as long as the employer treats them with respect and also compensates them for the time at the end of the day people are people aren't they that they, they are individuals that have lives it's interesting you say that because you made a comment when we were talking about this before that stuck with me mm -hmm. and your statement was you know giving compensation for working on call is actually dangerous. No, 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 no. Not or something on call. along those now, lines. On call is distinctly different from having a nine to five job and mm. people expecting you to work out and your employer expecting you to work outside them hours. Now, it's different for people like myself, who's generally, I'm generally working on a project. And when that project's sometimes projects are behind, most of the time, it's not necessarily the, the individuals that are asked to the extra hours to make the pro to catch up with the project's fault that it's behind but they essentially get punished for it and don't get compensation for it now gareth is in a situation where he signed a con i, I think and please correct me if i'm wrong gareth where you've signed mm -hmm. a contract where you're fully aware that you're on call you're fully aware that your job is an on-call job as well as a day job yep and you have a schedule that has been agreed with your team and you're happy with it i would assume there is but there's one little caveat i'd like to throw into that yep. um the thing is is part of my team i'm actually one of the senior members so one of the things that does happen is when the junior members are on call and things go wrong they will more often than not ring either myself or my boss to help them out and i have had a situation like that where i could literally got called at something like 11 50 in the evening and we didn't finish until sort of this was this was a weekend and we didn't finish until n like nine o'clock the following morning however that being said it's not something that happens that often and yeah. now i didn't get any compensation or anything like that my colleague needed me i helped my colleague and to me i did it because we have a good team we get on well together you know we socialize out of work things like that but your employer does your employer expect you to do that escalation in yes. this in that particular in, instance in, if you were not available or you if, had died charming <laughs> no, no i'm let, let me, let's just give an extreme example you're on holiday in the middle of the bahamas when mm. this happens and the only person and this is goes back to the indispensable developer thing that we were talking about a few weeks ago it's if you are not available would the entire world crumble um again 
let me say that because obviously if i was on holiday for argument's sake they wouldn't expect me to jump on a call or anything like that they they respect that but at the same point this um the company will still expect it to be fixed they mm -hmm. expect the team to be able to have the knowledge to fix it um so we always try and make sure it's the reason why my boss and i can't go on holiday on the same at the same time right so, yeah. they, so, so you've got least... cover though you've got cover to, yeah. to cover so, that situation and you're aware it, that, again as a senior that you that is part of your responsibility and you are essentially compensated for that by being paid a senior wage to do that so I'm that's sorry. what i'm well i'd hope <laughs> you wish <laughs> i wish <laughs> okay right so no, see, that, that 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 actually comes up with the with the the sort of bad side of things. I mean, the good side, as Gareth pointed out when he started, it's he's working in an environment and him taking on these tasks helps him improve, hmm. helps him learn, helps him, you know, the company in the end. And it's sort of this almost, um, uh, I was going to say parasitical, but that's more the bad side of things. Symbiotic is the word I actually wanted to use here. Ooh, the talk about the Freudian slip. But the symbiotic relationship causes the good. The bad side is what is actual proper justification or compensation for someone having that thing. I mean, I have my husband works at, uh, on call and he's only recently in, I think, in the past 20 some years of being in the IT world had a six month stint where he was not on call, but now he's back on call. And I am used to waking up at 2 a.m. to that phone ringing or that horrible, nasty alarm going off to say, nah, nah, it's something you need to get up and actually respond and answer to this call. I myself work 24 seven on call. You, Chris, do. And where's the compensation? I mean, how do we justify that escalation process or balancing out who goes on vacation when i just like, i just want to be clear that i am not on call 24 7 i'm self-employed well, and i do a bit more work There's... than i i maybe would if i was in well i definitely do more work than i would if i was employed because it's a business interest it's distinctly different mm. being self-employed than it is from being an employee and that's what okay, i'm talking about here as an employee you are contracted to uh, provide ser a service to your employer i am prov i am contracted to provide services which is a distinct difference in law um beside that what i'm saying here is if you are in a situation gareth where you are um this happens a number of times so you you have a junior who can't deal with a call and you get called loads and loads of times and it keeps happening over and over you would identify that as a problem and you in your team would sort that out i would hope your employer would you would escalate it and exactly. your employer would say right you need another resource to enable to, to basically stop you from being called every night you know or mm -hmm. we need to fix the problem and the processes or something like that so it sounds like i mean you you are working for somebody an employer that's responsible there are places there are def definitely places that do not have that and they have an expectation on their employees that they are just their bitch basically you know they they should do everything and anything that they they say they should and if they don't they look down on them and they treat them like a, a less of a employee or less of a person because of it and they don't compensate them it doesn't happen that often but i do see it i think there's something to be said for it it goes back to we've discussed the differences before between the united states and the uk in the united states there's at will employment it is more than likely in those situations people who work in the support industry or do anything there on that level can very easily be looked down on or kicked away if they're not following through and working 90 hours a week when the contract says 40 because at will employment is at will employment of the employer not the employee here in the united kingdom the contracts are very 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 clear they usually are. Now, obviously, the personalities that you work with can influence whether a contract is taken one way or another. But if you have a document that explicitly states, you know, it, you will be paid X amount of money for X amount of considered uh, overtime, not overtime, on-call time or what have you, you can actually use that in a conversation to counter a person who's being a douche. Can I add something to that then? <clears throat> sorry can i add something to that mm -hmm. the, th the thing is is obviously you're quite right in the uk we, when it comes down to the contract so any employee can turn in and say this is not in my contract um i don't need to do it now for argument's sake 
I will go back to what I've said. Sometimes if we have a junior ring or something like that, I'll help them out. I don't, I'm not obligated to. Uh, my company is not obligated to give me anything for it because I'm officially not on call. But I do it anyway because it's to help the team out. And thankfully, I have a boss that will turn around and say, take some time off in lieu or something along those lines. Yes. I'm lucky in that respect. At the same point, um, what's to say if I didn't do that? How would my boss react then? And now, for argument's sake, if something happens because I have a good relationship with my boss, because I do these things, when I need something, I'm like, I need to take an emergency day or something like that, he's like, yeah, go for it, bro. Do what you need to do. All right. And he's happy. Now, if I didn't do that, because I'm not obligated to do it, what do you think would happen then? I don't know, because um, retaliation I is surely a disciplinary offence, you know? At the end of the day, you're a human being and you are... I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to stick to a contract word by word. I'm not saying that. I'm not mm. saying that I'm an awkward person in general or, or, or I don't believe in helping other people out. I, ser I love it. I love helping people and I, I enjoy mentoring people. Most of the time, I take somebody, some junior, off my own back under my wing while I'm contracting, for God's sake, let alone being an employee. I love mm. doing that because I love bringing them on and passing knowledge on, not necessarily for my bet. well... Not, not necessarily for the employer's benefit or the, the company I'm working for's benefit. It's for my catharsis. It's, it's, I enjoy doing it. I, I am the but same way. I like that, teaching. That's not what I'm getting at here. I'm getting at employers that abuse their employees' trust and also their inability to talk, to, to stand up for themselves. Have you ever worked in an environment where you were put in a situation where you were looked down upon because you didn't pull the extra hours, you didn't work the overtime or anything yep. else like that? So uh, mm -hmm. what do you feel? Because I think all of us here can raise our hands. We've, we've all been in this situation. What do you feel the difference is between that kind of work culture you know what do you think inspired that negative side of things versus the the supplemental symbiotic relationship instead of the antagonistic parasitic relationship and then i'll grab um, gordon's comment because he's got a good comment yeah gareth um, i think all i'll say is the company i did uh, executive executive premium support for basically so we were looking after the execs uh, on a desktop support role um however the company i work for is actually an american company now although we had the um the uk contracts and things like that they acted very much how i i've come to expect support um companies american support companies to act all right and it just didn't work and i have to admit they operated an extreme blame culture i mean when it, you come to a point when you your boss walks into the room with you um and with your team and turns around and says we've got a new boss i'm not taking the crap for you and then like and we were like well hang on a minute you're our manager and i absolutely hated it there i really it's did it's a toxic environment yeah when you come at stuff uh, like that the reason for that is is widespread it could be a lot of different things and i think that's a whole subject in itself a toxic environment or the you know uh, expectations of an employee specifically um we need to try and keep us i know i'm going off in a bit of a ramble but we need to try and keep the scope here to you know the 24 7 <laughs> job and sorry no sorry. no it's not you know, i was i was the one who derailed this we're, 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 we're all going to be derailed i mean like I, we said we were talking about this earlier in the before we started the show how everything is connected one way or another we don't work in vacuums now um gordon pointed out in my experience most contracts include something along the lines of the employee may be required to work such further hours as may be necessary to fulfill his slash hers duties in the needs of the business which is often used as an excuse to not pay for extra hours since you are salaried employee your flexibility is expected it's Perf different for formal on-call work obviously and one advantage of contracting you want me to work extra hours you pay so those extra hours i quite often even in uh, contractor contracts in in uh, actual contracts that i sign as a as a 
temporary transient employee not employee oh god <laughs> transient well i'm a, you know I'm, I, f- I forgot what the americans call us um i've just signed a load of documentation that has this written all over it and i can't there's a, a specific name for it but um i often see a professional working day written in my contract and a professional working day is seven and a half eight hours plus whatever they expect you to work, such as the employee may be required to work such further hours as be necessary to fulfill his duties or for the needs of the business, which is nonsense for a contractor because you're an employee if you're doing that. But contracts aside, contracting aside, that, I mean, I know I come from that side. We're talking specifically about a 24-7 hour, an hour, hour environment as an employee here, aren't we? We're trying to mm. cover that ground specifically. Um <laughs> I there's there's a lot to talk about here. I'm not sure I if we know. should move on to the next to a, to the next topic unless there's anything anyone wants to add to this. This bit. <laughs> the the key to me going back to why I asked the question of what you think the difference is between those particular types of cultures is there is a a need for respect absolutely and just basic human decency. But there's no human element a lot of the time and that's the problem you see all these commands being passed down the chain by the higher-ups that don't see the day-to-day work. They don't see all these people busting the, their ass. Um, and they just go, well, the project's late. We're spending millions over budget. We need this done. Right, well, we need more money, but we're already over budget. We need more money so we can do it quicker or we can get more people to help us. And that's where this culture comes from. That kind, well, that's one reason a toxic culture evolves. Well, it it also goes to what we were talking about uh, a couple of episodes ago in the game world where people have this sort of need to do the burn of time mentality, that whole rush towards the end, that crush time. And that filters across everything. And that even goes for like trying to set up hardware. I mean, Mm. it, it makes a difference what part of the world you're in. But yeah... Oh, sorry, I'm shuddering at the even just the contemplation of it. But yes. So let's move on to another topic within this 24/7 cycle. So um, the evolution of the IT job. How is it? How is it? How is it? How did we start in IT? We, we talked about this briefly before the show, didn't we? How did we? All, how did you start, Gareth? What was your first job, and what were you doing? If you don't mind telling right. us. Well, I, no, I don't mind at all. I actually started off. Um, I'll just say an MOD company. Um, I actually started with an MOD company as an electronic engineering apprentice, okay. completely off topic, nothing to do with, because I used to love electronics. You know, I was the sort of kid that would, wouldn't go out and play with friends. I'd take things apart and then see what else I could build sort of thing. Um, I actually started getting quite bored with it. And thankfully, part of the apprenticeship was we had to move around to different departments to see how the business ran. I managed to actually get a six month place, placement in EIT support. And they, uh, back then, basically, there was no like first line, second line, third line. It was they did first line, second line and third line. They did everything. Um, thankfully, I made a really good impression. So when the job came up there, um, he basically turned around and said to me, you need to apply for this job if you really want it. Oh, yeah, I'll, it, I'll, a funny anecdote is when um, basically uh, HR rang me to say that I'd got the job. Her exact words were, you don't need me to tell you what I'm going to tell you, do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but back then, as I said, when I did that, um, I don't know, things were a, a lot simpler, maybe because it was the technology that was available then or, or not so much as it were. I mean, I'm talking Amstrad 1640s for the old folk out there, you know, yeah, really. Old. We're talking uh, BIOS batteries were like four AA batteries, things <laughs> like that. Cause, cause, um, Windows uh, 3.11 for work groups, you know, everything was on floppy disk. I, was, um, I, was, I, but I started I, way after that myself in the <laughs> professional world at least but yeah yeah um but we did everything it wasn't split up into little niches here there and everywhere um that could have been a bad thing because you could have basically been say a jack of all trades and a master of none so i think the way the the it world has developed is better but I still have, I, I still think because it's, I still think it's in, in its youth because 
you have these little niches and with certain companies especially now i've seen if you're in this niche you do that you don't do anything else there's no flexibility well they may do that but they can also assist this um and try and get a fluid working environment but i still see a lot of companies is no you do that that's what you do yes you and do we, that, that's what you do. we i talk about this we, i think we, we talked about this on the show before i have it as a developer we have we used to have you're a developer you do everything i was even talking about this with my friend at the weekend he we used to do everything we used to do everything from the graphic design all the way through to programming the front and the back ends and uh, putting the databases together and i still do that because i maintain that kind of uh, i prefer to be involved in everything from from scratch from design all the way through to actually implementing and putting in devops processes and that kind of thing but that's a choice i've made as a contractor as somebody who takes different roles based on the how interesting the project is most people who work in a permanent job either have they are a front-end developer that works with angular or they're a front-end developer that works with react you know and then they're there's back-end guys and then there's database guys and then there's report writers and then there's the system admins that uh, it's it's ridiculous and then system admins obviously split down into lots of different roles as well even devops is becoming so diversified now that i, I spoke to three pe different people at the in the devops department that all did totally disparate things uh, very very specific things you know someone was writing scripts someone did the design someone wrote the implementations uh, it's good and to bad me for me, I started in the IT world, good gosh, a long, long, long time ago. Um, I was probably about eight or nine. I was working with a bunch of students at a university. People were working on Dig Dug and trying to figure out how to actually learn how to program. Like, I'm way old school. Now, because of the fact that I have been involved in the IT industry for a long time, I have seen an interesting evolution that actually impacts the 24-hour job. When I started out, it was very common for nine to five. You know, you would come in when everyone else was around, only occasionally would you show up or work late or anything else like that. And over time, as things started becoming more online all the time, so at first the introduction of websites you still had your basic job and it was still sort of a nine to five and you, you only had to handle things occasionally but the more services tools and needs that we discovered by having an online world actually the more i saw 24-hour jobs starting to spread across the entire this, this this whole as a service trend there is everything as a service now I mean, I've heard this just this week, so many more terms that I'd never even heard of before. Um, mobility as a service, that's one that I, I've learned this week. It's about, it's about ordering a smart car um, or ordering a train by your phone, you know, that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, that's where it's evolved into. But since the internet, yep. you know, since we've had systems, telephone systems, we've had all kinds of um, right, but 24 there was a difference. But see, there was a difference. Do you remember, and maybe I'm one of the very few people from the POTS world, the plain old television system, or plain old telephone system, which is the actual, what POTS stands for. If your street lost connection to the phone, it was not the end of the world. Everyone just sat there and acknowledged, I can't use my phone mm -hmm. to call someone okay and it was okay for the service people to come out the next day or later that week however my god facebook went down mm -hmm. for like a couple minutes and who cares about what's happening in venezuela who cares about what's happening in the rest of the world facebook is down stop everything the world comes to a halt because that like, is costing them millions of pounds a minute for being down because of the sheer amount of users that use it and that is sort of my point we are now at a point in the world of it where it is almost expected that support be there for you period i 
I am guilty of this, and I'm trying to change my mind on several things. But I had an issue with a washing machine a couple years ago, and I wanted to call to check on the warranty and the services. Their office hours weren't open at a reasonable time for me. I was very unhappy about this mm. because I had been in the mentality of I should be able to pick up the phone and speak to someone 24 hours a day for support for my washing machine. Now imagine what that's like if like your internet goes down or business critical systems or hospital systems, which are so like integrated and everything else like that. But because of this, to me, I feel that this is actually brought about a much more almost apathetic acceptance of being on call, of working 24 seven of that. Um, oh, a system has gone down. This is a P1 incident. All hands on deck. No one sleeps until this is solved, which to me is so stupid because you're working with people with barely enough their mental power and you're expecting them to work miracles when they're half tired. And a lot of the time they're, so, not, they're not needed. They're not relevant. It's all about processes, no, isn't it? No, it, it, it absolutely is. I mean, everyone should have a DR. If you don't have a DR, please work on them. And it needs I to can... work as well, <laughs> Tihar. And be tested. I was going to say, I've basically come across that situation. Um, I was called out. Um, I said, right, well, it looks like this is going to take me a while to sort this server. It'll be better for me to do it in business hours. You have a DR system, fail over to it so you can keep the system up and running. Yeah, our DR system hasn't been tested for about five years. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> No, what's that face for? That's what happens in every enterprise, pretty much. That's, that's, that is okay. the norm. For those, for those who listen to us in the future, my jaw basically just dropped down. Um, to me, a, a simple part of everyday business operations should include the testing of a DR plan, testing of backups. Oh, my God. I can't tell you how many times I've come into a situation on call, 2 a.m., to help somebody to find out that their backups that they've been responsible for haven't been tested, they don't work, or 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 they do the incremental, but they don't have the base backup. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, come on. I, I, I have a <sighs> slight confession here. Um, I um, Just a local thing, nothing to do with clients, but I disabled um, one of my... I do a NAS to NAS backup for my you know, lots of files, mm -hmm. personal files and business files. Um, and I disabled it for some reason a few months ago. Oh, no. Last, last July, in fact. And I only realized in February that I'd done it. And I looked at the dates and I was like, I luckily didn't need anything. And I hadn't, I, I, but I had a backup, but I had full backups for up until July the 19th or something. And I was, I was, I was quite ashamed of myself, I've got to be honest, because I hadn't re-enabled the backup. But it's not something that I, you know, I did, I, I needed, or, or it's easy to forget. But in an enterprise, it should be part of your, it should be someone responsible for that. You know, it should be someone who's actually checking that and um, and putting the plans in place as well. It doesn't matter how big your team is, if somebody's not, who doesn't own it, you know, and doesn't have a, a, a weekly job to actually check that these things happen which i mean let's face it how often does that kind of thing happen in the real world i haven't seen it personally because they're too busy with production they're too busy with the day-to-day -day jobs and then it becomes a debate as to who's actually should be you know responsible for those things etc mm. but yeah so what i was saying about all that stuff is the evolution that i've seen because we have seen an almost invasive you know connection to our companies that we get our services from to the people who we contact for anything like because everything's become so invasive i have actually seen the it world and the requirements for what you do shift and change and my big question to you guys is, do you think that's a good thing? Or do you think we should have built in better services to prevent people from having to be on call? Like, like I'm just curious. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. 
That's the thing. That, that, yes, absolutely. Every single person that I speak to, no matter what job they do in in the company, has a better way of doing what they currently do. The guy, I was speaking to a, a lead developer today who was giving me an overview of their entire architecture, and he was he's very passionate, loved what he did. You could tell. He gave me tons of information, but he, he was constantly interjecting with, this isn't ideal. What the ideal world is, this. And okay. I, I need to interrupt here because I, this is almost in Grenard TFM. I am sick and tired of that utopian environment. Mm. This is not ideal BS. The okay? good thing is, is he was I, pragmatic with it. He wasn't well, the idealist, the you know. I, I feel that that is actually very um, condescending to the person who's saying it. It's almost like they're self-deprecating with that statement because I don't know a single company that works with 100% ideal situations. I, was, I don't. I was talking to my friend this weekend again about oh, no. exactly the same thing about... <laughs> Because he was he was saying that one of his junior developers, uh, he's a senior in in his particular role, and he was saying that one of his junior developers is always sending him messages on on Slack, private messages, and and saying to him, "Well, we should be doing it this way. We should have this. We should do that." Now, he's noticed a trend that it's junior people that do that. I don't have that or attitude people anymore. Who are new or people who are new? Because. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gareth, because in your environment, you work in hardware, you work in infrastructure, you work in things like that. Mm -hmm. If you are brought into a new project where there's already an infrastructure set in place and you're told this is the architecture and that is what you need to know, do you feel someone needs to sit there and say to you, we know it's not ideal? Or do you think it, because to me, it's it's one of those things where when I'm handed something or a project, and I'm usually not the one creating the project, but coming in as the project has already been created or what have you, I understand that limitations already exist. I you know, agree. And I have to work with that. There's nothing wrong with planning for the future to modify and grow, like I said in another show, be <clears> active, <throat> be proactive, because you can always automate a process or a script. Or, like there's There's always ways to improve, but... If you were just getting the lay foundation for this is what you have to work with, it's like, just accept that and move on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, See, that's exactly what I do. I have to be honest. Sorry, Gareth, I asked you a question. Uh, then you didn't let him answer. <laughs> it's, it's you actually answered it for me, so... <laughs> Well, that's, I get so passionate about it because it's almost like someone is saying to you, hey, I have developed this thing or our team has developed this thing. We're at this current part, but I feel shame for what we've developed. It, that's to, There's now, pride. Granted, that's fine. You can have some pride in it. But again, be pragmatic with it. I mean, th I said the guy that I was speaking to today, he knew that there was problems, but he also, I explained to him very clearly what I was there for. I was there for... Um, looking at the looking at the ideal, I was there to I'm there to to look at what they've currently got and then suggest um, integrations and extra mm. layers to add into it. I'm, I can't go into detail, but essentially, I'm yeah. there to um, look at what it could do. But I can't just come in and go right. Okay, so your service pattern or your architecture in this particular instance is wrong. And it needs to change in order for us to put this layer in, in order to achieve these business goals. I need to look at what currently exists in that pattern, how it sits together, and I need to look at the most pragmatic and minimal implementation, cost-effective implementation that will work to achieve the business needs. And then if it doesn't achieve all of the business needs and cover all of the requirements, I need to highlight what it doesn't cover and tell people why it can't cover them and explain in a non-technical way. But see, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, again, this is the perfect Chris. <laughs> I, I have to throw it in at least once a show. At least once. But what I'm actually talking about is, you know, I, I have worked with people who, when you say, hey, let me do your uh, onboarding process. Let me make certain you have access to everything. Let me make certain that you're aware of the processes, the workflows and everything. And they'll turn around and go, well, you're doing this all wrong. And it's like, we know that this is not perfect. This is an old implementation. We are going to make things better, but you need to be aware of where we're currently at.
that. And when you're trying to explain that to someone and all they do is constantly belittle the system and then that person, it, 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 it's, it's almost, it's like twofold. You have the, like you said, the juniors or the new employee who's come in and they're all like, we have the big shiny. You're not doing the big shiny. Why aren't you doing the big shiny? The big shiny, big shiny, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right, big shiny. And then you have the people who sit there and they go, well, here's where we're at. And I, I feel really bad about that. And it's, it's kind of like, I look at it from perspective, if there is a problem, be aware the problem exists and then work towards a solution. If you just sit there and complain about it, that's not doing anything. Be proactive. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to chime in there. It's not just juniors either. Um, in my environment, it's very much people that require something from myself and my team. Um, because the prop the thing is, is we have a lot of processes. Now, the processes and policies are there for a reason. But because, for argument's sake, I need to do a password reset for a user on a server. Yeah? That would take me 30 seconds at most to do. But we required you to do the, the relevant um, ticket. Mm -hmm. All right? And have that ticket approved because of auditing, things like that. It's there for a reason. It protects yes. the company, things like that. But a lot of these people are like, but it's, it'll take you 30 seconds to do. Oh, I'll raise a ticket in a minute. Can you still do it? No, you follow the process. Yes, again, it's not an ideal world because in my ideal world, I could just go, duh, 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 duh. you're done, get on with it. I can move on to the next thing. But I understand the point that, you know, we still have to have, because then that way, if something comes back and says, you've changed this password, why did you change this password? This is why. Because I would, it's protecting me and it's protecting the company. I, so that's an example. I would have loved to have done this exact show 10 years ago, as from my perspective, 10 years ago, because I was very much that, oh, God, I hate bureaucracy. I do hate bureaucracy. I hate that bureaucratic process. But I know, as you've just said, exactly why it exists and why it's here. Today, I needed access to a repository. And it's a big company, massive American company. And... There's no way that you can just go and ask the developer who's got the button to click to give you the access. <laughs> you can, and they oh, will could. say they will say you're going to have to raise a ticket for that, and 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 a lot of people will get angry about that. But I didn't. I just raised the two or three tickets I needed to. I needed to ask people to install things on my PC as well, and all kinds of other stuff. Luckily, most of the stuff I'm doing is going to be on my own hardware in my own processes, and and then I just feed into the business. But that isn't always the case and you have to follow the processes because as you said not just auditing there's lots of other reasons for it you know and yes i i, I it's it's i like being the person i am now instead of the person i was 10 years ago because i don't get frustrated <laughs> by it anymore i just accept it get on with it and then do what i can you know to get the job yeah. done in the best way i can yeah, it, it, the thing is, processes also are another reason why we end up in a 24-hour IT world, because I can't tell you how many times a change request is made that can only be performed out of business hours. Oh, yeah. Don't get me there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, like, for example, in my case, I had to do a server migration. I had to move code, site, databases from one massive hosting platform to another. And it had to be done in the middle of the night when they were least busy. Mm -hmm. And it had to be set up, structured, planned for, you know, analytics had to be monitored to make certain that we weren't impacting anything in specific. Uh, for example, the company involved wasn't involved in any newspaper uh, news or, you know, any of their public outreach. Car like we had to do a whole lot to do it. But the actual activity itself had to be done out of business hours which for me ended up being 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. my time. But in order to prep for it, I had to stay up that entire time and follow the change log process, follow the step-by-step -step approved you know, actions and everything else that goes with it. So bring it all back to that 24-hour, it, it sucks. It's worth noting as well as uh, other reasons. For example, current big client, people can die if I do something wrong on a live yeah. system. I don't touch the live systems, but if, okay, other people that are working there that are working on live systems, people can actually die. It's that mission critical. It is 24-7. There isn't a it's, time it can be down. There has that, to be processes in place to make sure that the 
the the downtime is milliseconds when it actually deploys a, a brand new piece of software, you know. I, I'm the exact same way. I, I have a client where their clients, if anything were to happen to the, the stuff that I work on for them, people could die. Mm -hmm. And it is not a responsibility that I take lightly, which is why the processes are in place because there cannot be that that millisecond like I, it's the same thing with that client that i have it's millisecond if there is an interruption it's a millisecond but it's also why as a freelancer i'm on call 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year forever i love you see i'm, I'm a freelancer and i don't have that i'm not on call i don't i don't but i don't sign up to that kind of thing i you I don't you don't do the hosting and the security call outs as no. needed and other things like that so yeah it's different Different strokes for different folks. Tis. Quick RTFM from each of you. What one thing has absolutely frustrated you in this past week that you really feel the need to vocalize and get off your chest? Uh, for me, I can't say there isn't anything. There is anything, to be honest. I I, I've had a frustrated. really good week. <laughs> a, yes. Everything's yes. went really well. <laughs> so I'm exceptionally passionate about the thing we were talking about before. I have one RTFM that I swear to God, I want to smack people. Client has a request. In the process for this request is a very explicit document that explicitly says fill out this way so that i can take the actions required <laughs> to give you an idea some of it had lore mipsum in it okay and it was a matter of changing copy changing layouts doing a whole bunch of you know website work and the, the response i got back to this very explicit form was simply yeah it's all fine hmm. <sighs> I'm like, come on, please. That's please TL, read. TLDR to an extreme, that, isn't it? One <laughs> sentence. One <laughs> sentence. It specifically said what? Uh, it's just frustrating. I, I went off for like five hours after that happened because I'm sitting there going, are you seriously doing just is really? There any, is there any reason why you wouldn't write a client's content for them? I know it happens all the time in the website. It's, it, there's there's a couple of uh, different reasons for why you would or you wouldn't for why you would write the copy for someone. One, if you write the copy for a business and you don't know bugger all about what they're actually doing, you can do bad things to them and to what they're saying. If someone wants you to write the copy, you have to be very explicit about what copy you are going to be writing, what you're going to be responsible for or or anything along those lines. Because if you write something for a company, it becomes the words of the company, mm. you know? So for example, if uh, if I were to write a blog for somebody uh, or for a company for something, you know, and I were to do sort of a step-by-step -step tutorial on how to use Git, let's just say that's, that's the content that has been asked of me to create, that's fine. But if you're writing, asking me to write your terms of service, if or you're asking me to write your exactly your marketing material if you're writing having me write your technical documentation when i don't know a damn thing about that particular industry where the jargon is so required no hire a professional copywriter who understands your industry get them to get the copy done or get your marketing department to do it and just do it mm. okay because otherwise it, it it could become a serious liability so i mean if you if you we're well off topic. Sorry. Let's yeah. you know, just. <laughs> Someday I have a we'll personal interest in this. That's all. Some uh, okay. other things happening. Well, I, I can I can work with you throughout the week because you know yes. we're doing things. But yeah. So I'm the only one with an RTFM. I am apparently the biggest complainer we've got, and it's the end of our show. I want to give a massive, massive thank you to everybody in Twitch, and that includes everyone from Hansas to Gordo to Talupate. I'm never going to get your name right. <laughs> He's Norwegian. That's, I'm, no. just, I'm, I'm going to just stop right there. <laughs> to Invina, to everybody, massive love to you. And, you know, I really wish someone could take that one segment where I was totally screwing up and do some kind of auto tune. <laughs> 
That would be awesome. But anyway, uh, massive thank you to all of us for joining us. And for everyone who's listening on our podcast, we hope to see you live in Twitch Thursday, 7 p.m. GMT slash DNI stream. And a massive thank you to Gareth, of course. So, Gareth, this is the moment you have been waiting for. If you have anything mm-hmm. to pimp, which you probably won't, don't, working with a, an employer, unless you've got any personal projects you want to talk about or any side thing, side websites or anything you've got to do. Otherwise, thank you very two. much. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, no, as I said, I, I, I don't have anything to pimp except for the words "know what you're getting into." Mm. Um, there's a little story. If we have the time, there's a very little story mm. of something. Um, back in the day when I actually first started working in IT, um, this was again back in the day where we did everything, and um, we changed our mail system to. So we used to have something what they call Team Links Mail long long time ago and we decided to move with the timers and we got exchange 5.5 wow (laughs) it was all shiny i even got a course and everything about it um certified the works you had an an mcp mcp back then in exchange 5.5 yes i know (laughs) back then it was worth a lot um mouses but yes go on (laughs) And uh, I was still quite naive and wet behind the ears. But, um, and I thought I knew everything because I had everything like this. And um, we started getting some corruption in the mail database. I was like, I know how to fix this. So I said, to, I said right, I'm going to go fix this, guys. We're great. What I didn't realize is it was just during the middle of the day. Now, unfortunately, you can fix it, or fortunately, you can fix a corruption in a exchange mail system database. Unfortunately, what I didn't realize is it takes the database down mm. to fix it. <laughs> so we're talking like 10 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden, everyone's mail stops working. I run out panicking to my boss saying, I think I've just made a screw up sort of thing. Um, and he was just like, so how long will it be down for? Uh, probably a couple of hours. Oh, they'll get over it. That's what he said. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, th- I thought it would be a good set of words because I didn't have anything <laughs> to pimp, but a good set of words for everyone is know what you're getting into. I had a very similar thing when I was a junior. One of my first jobs, I did a, an update on a live production table. I think it was a um, uh, just a SQL table. I added a field to it or something, and it broke everything, you know, and I, I didn't know at the time, but I forgot about that until you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So yes, um, don't forget to visit our website www.dnistream.live and you can find links to Discord, Twitter We have a Discord channel where the people do come in and chat and there's been quite a bit of uh, bit of uh, chatter this week It's all very nice, very good And uh, you can visit us on YouTube which is YouTube Oh, we don't have a URL for that yet but there is a link yeah. on our website Follow us because yeah, we, need, us we, need, we need subscribers on YouTube just, to get Even if you don't do anything, just subscribe URL. us and ignore us. Just give us some subscribes so we can get a URL. <laughs> subscribe us and ignore yeah, us. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you can also find us on Spotify. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, you can. You can. And we, where else are we working on iTunes, Josie? Are we getting there uh, with Yes. That? Uh, there's also, I'm looking at getting us uh, a recipe on Alexa as well. Okay. Good stuff. And we're on Twitter, as always, uh, forward slash DNI stream, so you can uh, catch us on there. Get in touch if you want to be a guest or you have any topics you think we should be discussing or mm. just any feedback, any comments, anything like that. Yep. And obviously, speaking of our website and everything that Chris is actually awesome about, you can find a source code for our website at github.com slash documentation not included, and you can get involved if you so desire. And we hope to see you guys next Thursday at 7 p.m. GMT where we have someone joining us to talk about the subject matter, us v. them. And the guest is a man I know very well. It's my husband. Yay! <laughs> oh, Surprise! I've only ever had about, thir- well, 10 seconds of FaceTime with him and he's popped his head into your camera occasionally and uh, and said hello but I, I, I'm looking forward to meeting him yes the bearded beautiful bastard that he is will be joining us to talk about the subject matter us them he has an interesting point of view I'm sure he does I'm sure he does he has to because he married me and he also has a, a, a pretty good beard as well he's probably the closest contender to me that I've seen so far so if he's not he's, better he's He's recently got it all trimmed up oh, and everything. Fail. And yeah, he, oh, 
But anyway, <laughs> so from all of us here at Documentation Included, hopefully we'll have Patrick back soon. We do miss his mm. aunt. He is so adorable, and we miss him, and we miss his cursing constantly. It's horrible. It's, it's just horrible. But anyway, goodbye from all of us. Goodbye from Chris. Uh, goodbye from Gareth. Bye-bye. And goodbye from me, Josie. We're Documentation Not Included. Much love. Bye. Till next week. <laughs>